This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate and in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Credit card debt is on the rise. We'll give some cautionary advice and answer your questions. What do you need to be careful about when using credit cards? Is our situation right now typical? Ask us about debt or other personal finance questions. Contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Nancy. What is the weather like in North Carolina? Oh, good morning. It's been kind of rainy. and uh, In fact, yesterday, 4th of July, we weren't sure the 4th of July fireworks were going to go off, uh, but they did with a little bit of drizzle, and um, we also had fireworks naturally with uh, the lightning in the sky. Very good. Uh, so what financial news is on your mind this morning? Well, today I'm listening to the report on the stock market, which is down considerably today. But we have been seeing some moderation and some relief for investors. And um, the question I've been fielding from clients is, oh, my goodness, if we're going to go into a recession, is the stock market going to decline even more? Well, the stock market tends to be something we call a leading indicator. It moves ahead of economic data, typically about six months. So we've already been in this decline, you know, about seven months now going on that. And an average recession since World War II has been 11 months. So the market is going to turn sometime in between that that recession and the good times that start will come later. And um, so we've already experienced much of that decline, and we're just trying to watch to see, will that bring us recession? Understand that an indicator is not a predictor, and it's only when we go back and look at the data that we know whether or not this really did predict something. Morning, Ryder. What's uh, on your mind this morning? Good morning. So it is the first day or the first week of the of, of the new quarter. And so like Nancy was talking about the, the stock market decline we've already had, we've also, as a lot of people have noticed, had a decline in bonds. And last month was an interesting one in particular. So as interest rates rise, bonds fall. So that's the general relationship there. And at the beginning of June, interest rates have been rising all year. The beginning of June to mid-June, they really rose pretty sharply, pretty quickly uh, as people just anticipated rates would rise, uh, the Federal Reserve would, would raise rates more, things like that. And that declined from the middle of June. It's declined. It's given up some of that, but it hasn't, hasn't the yields are not back to where they were at the beginning of June even. They're certainly still higher than they have been for years. And so bonds are still down this year, down about 
uh, 10 or more percent, just kind of there's a lot of different indices to look at, though. And so that's the relationship between those yields as they rise and the price of those bonds uh, still declining this year. So it's been a double whammy Mm -hmm. with bonds being down and stocks also being down. So it's been a really painful Mm -hmm. start of the year for investors. Yeah, normally you expect some sort of trade-off between the two. So um, Nancy and Ryder are on the show every Tuesday. They do their best to give you the best information when you call in with a question. However, sometimes they don't know the answer, but does that, that does not prevent them from going and doing some research. And in fact, last week we were talking about student loans. And Ryder, if I'm correct here, the lady called in and was saying that her private student loan was being converted to a federal loan? Yes. She, uh, she was calling about she had gotten something. She'd been told that her private loan, an old private loan she had had, could be converted to a federal loan because, again, like we've talked about, the federal student loans have a lot of great benefits as far as the repayment schedules that are available to you, the terms that are available to you, uh, built-in forgiveness that's available to you, built-in um, you can uh, right now there's currently all-in forbearance with 0% interest, so all of these options are available to federal student loans, whereas a private student loan is pretty much just a loan that you pay. And, and and for a large loan, for student loans, which are often a very large part of someone's debt portfolio, then that can be quite cumbersome. We did not see anywhere that you could consolidate a private loan to federal. And in fact, on the studentaid.gov website, it just says very clearly private education loans are not eligible for consolidation. Uh, Now, there's a few caveats to think about. There are a lot of different federal loan programs. And throughout history, there have been a lot of different federal loan programs. Sometimes you may have had your loan arranged by a private lender. It may have been serviced by a private lender. You may be thinking of a loan as a, as a private loan, but it's it may actually be a federal loan. But anything that is straight up explicitly a private education loan is not eligible for consolidation. Um, also, just, just the way that particular caller mentioned it, it made me think that possibly this is just some kind of slick campaign or marketing by a uh, private consolidation lender, especially they, they gave a deadline for when you can make this consolidation. Maybe they were just trying to consolidate into something that sounded like a federal loan. So just just always be, be uh, skeptical of anybody pushing a, a hard deadline like that. So I owe a debt of gratitude to, to my father when it comes to student loans because he was uh, an, taught at the University of Southern Mississippi when I was uh, in college. The uh, dependents of faculty got all tuition paid. So Oh, that's a huge gift, isn't mm, it? Yes, Get out fantastic. of school yes. and not have <laughs> And no, I, I seriously, I, I think about that when we, you know, when the, the, the topic of student loans comes up, I feel I, that I was very fortunate that I did not have to go that route. So, Nancy, put the inflation we're experiencing now in uh, perspective for us uh, with respect to prices in the last maybe 10 or 20 years. Oh, we're going to go back further than that. And, of course, everybody's talking about inflation. We all feel it. 
Uh, we feel it when we gas up our cars, when we go mm. to the grocery store. We're experiencing that. And um, if we go back for a long stretch of history, average inflation rate has been 3%. Now, an average number can, you know, fool you into thinking, well, it's pretty close to that every year. No, mm -hmm. over the last about 60 years, um, we've seen a negative 0.4%, a decline in prices, uh, all the way up to 13.5%, which was the peak. And, Kevin, when do you think that was? Um, I don't Come know. On, guess. Uh, 1980. Oh, that was my guess. <laughs> that was, yeah. I was on the tip of my tongue, too. <laughs> yeah, the 70s saw huge uh, double-digit inflation. Mm -hmm. Now, what that means is from 1960 to 2021, prices cumulatively have increased about 830 percent so when you hear your grandmother say well you know we used to go to the movie for a nickel that's what's happening there now understand that inflation is a two-edged sword um, it is an indicator of growth so a little bit of inflation says okay the economy is growing people are spending and that's causing prices to rise and so you want a little bit if we look back at um, the great recession the problem is we had inflation below historical numbers you know one and a half to two or less than two percent and we got used to that and that's not typical but if it goes much higher which what we're now experiencing is 8.6 percent then that can cause us to slow down our spending we can you know think twice about taking that trip and think twice about buying certain things and so that will cause a decrease in demand we are starting to see some evidence of a, a decrease in prices overall housing is starting to come down a little bit that's been the big piece that's really been pushing things but also uh, all kinds of things are showing some signs my husband constantly reports um, when he comes home from Lowe's or Home Depot <laughs> that lumber prices are coming down. He's very grateful for that. So we're just waiting to see how those numbers pan out. And it, like Nancy said, it's not a consistent inflation being at 3% historically doesn't mean it's a consistent 3% every year. One of the things that really stood out to me when you look at inflation over a longer period is, yes, there are stretches where it is 1% to 2% for a long time, kind of like a lot of the last 10 years. But you can go back and find plenty of spikes. So in 2008, even, it was over 5%. In the early 90s, it was over 6%. And then, of course, there's the big spike that she was talking about in 1980, 14 or, or whatever percent. Uh, but also 1974, it spiked then. And in 1970, it spiked then. And in 1951, it was almost 10% as well. So it's kind of these cycles and it doesn't it doesn't mean that, oh, yes, we're going to get that 3% every year. Uh, no, some years it's just going to be really low. And then a spike kind of, this is the first bit of inflation we've had in a long time. And yeah, a long time. Yeah. Seven it, years. Yeah. And and so it, we, we've been fooled into thinking, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have rising prices, but we do. And, and one of the interesting things was the, the Federal Reserve always said they had a, a target of, I want to say, 2% inflation. And yes. for mm -hmm. so long, again, for the past 10 dozen years, we did not hit that 2% target in any sort of cumulative way. And so 
I believe it was in January or February, we had had a month or so of high inflation. And that was only just enough to bring that cumulative inflation kind of to target. Now, I think we've exceeded that a little bit, but it's it's not that unrealistic to think, okay, so we have 10 years of super low inflation. We have a little bit of high inflation. And then at some point, again, I don't know what's going to happen to all prices in the future over the next year or two. But if they decline again, then maybe over a longer period of time, it kind of looks like we're on target. Uh, it just kind of it just kind of hurts to see it when it's happening. And everybody's been beating up on the Federal Reserve for um, allowing inflation to just take off. But understand that they deliberately allowed some inflation to creep in because we were at below historical levels. And there was some concern that if they didn't allow some price increases to come in, some rate increases, then they didn't have any room to maneuver if we saw a downturn in the economy. But it got away from them. This is Money Talks. We're looking for your questions this morning. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 7464 <clears throat> If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about credit card debt and today's economy. You know, this isn't a new topic to Money Talks, so we'll sub- suggest some podcasts if you need additional information. We'll have that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. 
You can also download the MPB Public Media app, and then you can listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lodger-Danderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Money Talks discussed credit cards on the show broadcast August 8th, 2020, so you're encouraged to listen to that podcast for a different discussion on credit cards. So, Nancy, during the pandemic, we talked about how people were spending less. Is this a case of less supply causing prices to go up and people demanding more goods so prices go up even more? Order things. Sorry, Nancy, um, uh, if you could start, a, we were, had a little mic issue, so if you could start your answer again. I'm sorry about that. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, we were spending less because we were stuck inside, and uh, we were not going anywhere or not going Nancy, anywhere. I know your favorite store is Amazon. You weren't spending less. <laughs> well, I don't know you're what, you're, what you're talking about. <laughs> you you, you were glad for the opportunity to hop online. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on a first-name basis with my UPS man. But um, we do pay a lot of attention to consumer spending because it typically represents about two-thirds of GDP, our economy. But we did spend less during the pandemic. But what was interesting is we were looking at what were we spending money on. We were spending money on goods. So we were buying things for our houses, uh, ordering things from Amazon, but we also look at the flip side of spending, which is personal savings rates. And during the pandemic, our personal savings rate went up to almost 10%, highly unusual mm-hmm. for us. Um, typically, Americans are in the 6 to 7% range. Other cultures, much higher savings rates than us. Um, we now are starting to see a swap over. So we went from spending on goods to now we're getting out of the house. And so we're taking trips and uh, we're going to restaurants and, and uh, staying at hotels. So services, hospitality, those are going up. And our savings rate has declined to 5.4%. And, you know, we, we're, we have eaten up the savings from the stimulus. The question is, are we done? Are we still spending? And I'm starting to see some anecdotal evidence in uh, some smaller tourist areas where people aren't showing up. And the question is, is that um, high gas prices, overall high prices? Um, Have we already just said, okay, we're done? Or or instead of going down to Biloxi to spend the weekend in the Beau Rivage, are we in Miami? We don't know just yet. So we're going to have to watch the data to see how our spending pans out. So, Ryder, when we talk about credit card uses, we always encourage people to pay off the the balance at the end of each month to avoid uh, interest uh, or uh, interest. Absolutely. Uh, But sometimes uh, that's not the case. So if someone has some credit card debt, what are some things they need to think about to maybe get out of that debt? Yeah, things absolutely do come up. And credit cards are a great tool for for bringing some of that money that you expect to earn in the future, being able to spend that today. So if you do end up building up debt, there are a few options. And and there are some options which are not attractive today I want to cover first, which used to be for folks who had racked up a lot of debt, maybe just needed to pay that all off. It was a very high interest rate. We used to have HELOCs and cash out refinances. That's uh, what the interest rates on on. 
on mortgages, on the cash out refinance, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, have risen quite a lot, that may be a little less attractive because part, part of the idea, even though that would be a lower interest rate than your credit card, the the term, the amount of time you would have to pay it off and then the tendency of folks to actually stretch that out may be a little less attractive. That being said, if you have substantial debt, it's, it can still be a way to save money on that interest. A lot of credit cards do offer payment plans. You can kind of select expenses or, or months worth of expenses or specific expenses to pay off. Sometimes that offers a lower fixed rate. It, it, you have a payment plan. If you veer from that payment plan, the penalties can be, it can be just like to, just going back onto the credit card. Those can be attractive if that rate is lower or maybe they have kind of a fixed fee for going onto that. So be careful about that and making a very clear plan plan. Uh, always making larger payments than the minimum. Uh, you want to, if you look at your minimum and, and realize you're only paying a little more than the interest, you have got to do more because paying more than just the interest, that's going to lower that payment the next month, the next month, and that's going to snowball and that's going to be really satisfying to get that uh, paid off. Avoid putting new debt on that credit card. And again, just planning and putting together a budget to say, I need to really dedicate money to paying this off. Because if your credit card rate is at 20, 25, 30%, which is not unrealistic for credit cards, not unrealistic for credit cards if you are carrying a balance, because you're probably not going to have one of the better rates, then you need to focus on that um, a lot. Um, so there's there's a lot of a lot of different tools there. Uh, obviously, the optimal arrangement is just try so hard not to get into that debt in the first place. You spend what you can pay off. You need to know that you have the money coming to pay that bill. Um, I think um, the one that used to trip me up, and I'll admit it on the air before, I'll admit it again. I've had several instances where I had some credit uh, credit debt. Fortunately, I, a couple of years ago, was able to pay it off and have been on the straight and narrow since then. So a little pat on the back, not a big one. <clears throat> but that idea of... Stop putting money on the credit card because mm -hmm. I would think, oh, well, it's not that much or, you know, it's a little bit. And then you, you ignore looking at it. And then the next thing you know, mm -hmm. it's thousands of dollars. So I think that's a good one. And also, I'd follow up on what you said about fees. If you're if you're in some sort of offer that the, the bank or the credit card company is offering you, make sure there aren't mm -hmm. fees that you're unaware of sort of from the get-go. And, and, and one thing to think about when you have some debt, you think, okay, well, I can just put a couple more dollars on it. It's fine. I'm, I'm going to end up having to pay it off Anyway, if you have the cash, so say you've got $1,000 of credit card debt, you're looking at putting a $25 expense, and you have the cash, you could put it on your debit card, you could you could pay literal cash, or you could put it on the credit card. And you might think, well, I'll just put it on the credit card. I'm, I'm working on paying that down anyway. That amount will still start accruing interest. And, and, and so that amount will become more expensive than if you paid it in cash. Obviously, we would like you to take that $25 and just pay off the credit card, but sometimes you need to spend money. I mean, this is why we earn it. We need to spend it. So, so avoiding putting new charges on that card until you have the whole thing under control is, is, is going to be very helpful. Well, and then, the other thing that I, I see people doing is they take out multiple cards 
And so you can fool yourself into thinking, I just have a, a little bit on each card. You know, we had a call a few years back where a woman had 21 credit cards. Wow. You know, so if you have 21 credit cards and you only have a few hundred dollars on each one, now you're talking four to $5,000 in debt that you have accumulated. So if I have somebody that comes in to see me with an issue with credit card debt or debt overall, the first thing we do is to sit down and do a tally. And it usually is just gobsmacking for them to see that total. So I encourage people, instead of having all of these different cards, stick with one personal card, one business card if you have business expenses, and then it really slaps you in the face each month. And I would imagine that for most consumers, the credit line on one credit card is sufficient enough for what you need. And to your point, Nancy, you don't need to be opening three and four and five. Yeah. Yeah, and, and opening multiple cards that can make that can be just challenging from a management perspective. But also, when you start thinking about credit cards as a tool to build credit or wanting to maintain your credit, opening new lines is not a great look. Uh, and also, if you do need a larger credit line, start by asking the company you already have a card with, uh, increasing that line of credit so that you're not using quite so much. Because again, the the less of the credit you're allowed a certain amount of credit by the company and the less of that you use the the better it looks like the better it looks so expanding that line of credit might be more effective than just taking out another card which may decrease the total amount uh, or the the amount per per card that you're being offered yeah it's been my experience that if you are doing good at paying your you know your at least your minimum every month that credit card companies are more than happy to uh, extend your credit limit. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of times be like, hey, we're extending your credit limit. I was like, well, I didn't even ask for that. So, <laughs> uh, We're taking your calls this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about credit cards this morning. If you're finding yourself short on funds, we have a podcast about what's free. We'll have that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. correct helpful especially on coach charlie's tip of the week listen to our podcast with me coach charlie melton on any podcasting platform or on the mpb public media app money talks is mpb think radio's personal finance broadcast 
Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lodridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Rather than go deep into credit card debt, we have some suggestions for free goods and services. You can find those by going back to the podcast from February 9th, 2021. See what's free. So, um, we, Nancy, uh, tell us and remind us about the importance of an emergency fund. Oh, it's everything. Um, if you have an emergency fund, and everybody needs one, it's what keeps you out of what I call the credit card ditch. Uh, you don't have to then depend on debt to get you through for some emergency, something you didn't expect to have happening. And um, so a lot of people just don't even have that. We know that 13% of us have no emergency savings. So you are living on the edge. Um, 37%, almost 40% have less than $1,000. And of course, with inflation coming into play, you can clearly see that $1,000 won't get you very far in an emergency. And half of us would rely on a credit card to cover a $2,000 emergency. So it's really important to have some backup of cash. The question is, how much do you need? You often hear you need three to six months of your take-home income in case you lose a job. And I tell people how much you need depends on the security of your job. So if you're a real estate agent where it's feast or famine, you probably need more on the six-month side. We, we are not picking on real estate agents. No, That's just a reference to how their their pay is earned. Some people, some people have steady pay. Some people have very lumpy or seasonal pay. Exactly. And so if you're if you're Kevin and you're a longtime government employee and you have a pretty <laughs> secure position, you can go on the lower end of that. But um, for some people to think about three to six months, it just becomes overwhelming. So I tell them, start small. Okay, you know, almost forty percent have less than a thousand. Start trying to build up to $1,000. Don't worry so much about the rate that you're going to get. It's going to be lower than what you'll see elsewhere. Get the best you can. We're aiming for about 1% right now. Um, But start with putting aside $100 a month. And then in a year, you're going to have your 1000 plus, and then work your way up to the next goal, which would be about 5000 And you're going to find it's going to give you so much security to know when something big happens, and it will because that's life. Then you don't have to pull out a credit card. You don't have to get yourself into trouble. You've got the money. I also like to think of other things when you're adding up money for, to, to put into an emergency savings account. Just think about what an emergency looks like. What a health emergency, a car emergency, is something falling, your house burning down. What would you owe out of pocket in a health emergency? And, and that's easy. You look at your policy for these sort of things. If you had a car wreck, you probably have medical expenses and car expenses. And, and so it's more, it's more than just what are those expenses? Cause, cause again, even even if you're, say, a very frugal person and you add up your monthly expenses, and it's not a whole lot, but you have a very high deductible on your medical insurance, then you may need to save more than just looking at just expenses. Likewise, maybe you spend a lot of money, but you have really good insurance and you would hardly owe anything out of pocket come what may. Then maybe just looking at bare expenses is fine.
fine. And, and maybe a lot of those expenses are totally discretionary. And so you think even in an emergency, I could buckle down and cut out a lot of these. Now, we want you to be really realistic with yourself. But just look at those other things and consider what does that emergency look like. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We've got a caller on the line, so we say good morning to Brother Daniel, who calls in from Pascagoula. Good morning, Brother Daniel. Hey, good morning, my brothers and sisters. Good morning. (laughs) I just want to, I'm glad we went through a July 4th, and it's been peace in Mississippi. Uh, You know, this is what we need. And uh, everybody just stick together. I'm listening to y'all on 19-4 on the TV. So uh, people don't know about that. Please let your family know 19-4 on TV. Yes, they can listen. Exactly. There are so many different ways you can listen to us. Yeah. So my thing is today, my my fiancé has a house in uh, Perry County. And we we live in uh, Jackson County, and uh, she was getting ready to retire until they said, "Hey, we're gonna give you an extra five years before while you retire." So she now she's got to wait another five. I like to thank the city hall. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's happening is we're trying to get a loan on the secondary property which she's moving up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty uh, percent. The house is, uh, I think, it's about one sixty. But we're only trying to get about thirty six thousand to pay off a car, two cars, and to pay off some other debts to put us way in the black. Being that we got this property, and also to pay the taxes for this year. So what we what we need to know is that when we went to the bank, the loan officer wanted to make it a commercial. A loan instead of making it a, a, a refinance loan. Uh, I don't know if we get more money or what's happening. And we're, we don't have our credit is below 600, hmm. but this would help us. This loan right here would like start a new life. This loan right here would make a difference if we can get this. So we're trying to find out what do we need to do or what do we need to say to our bank loan, beautiful person, loan officer. Well, start by telling me this $160,000 house is paid off? Yes, it is. Clear title. Okay. Okay, clear title. So that's an advantage that you have. Um, I don't like that you're going to have to deal with a commercial loan versus doing a straight refinance, but typically a straight refinance they're only going to talk to you if you're going to do 50000 or more. So you have a lower amount, but you also have a problem of credit issues. So I would go right. back to the banker and, you know, don't worry so much about whether it's commercial, residential, whatever. Find out what the terms are. What interest rate right. are they going to quote you? What is the time right. limit on this? What is the payment? Right. And then you can make a decision about, well, is that rate that they're quoting me, is that pretty, you know, is that competitive? When I look at mortgage rates, which are now topping over 6% for uh, a 30-year loan, and is that payment that they're suggesting every month, is that something we can live with? And overall, the rate and payment, is that going to give us the relief that we need looking at all of our other debt? And that's how you're going to have to make a decision. And what I did was real quick, 
I did. We had it. We went in there with a plan. We told them 10 years, locked, refinanced, 400 foreign change. We that's what we talked about. But when he when the manager gave it to the underwriter, the underwriters would made the change. So do I need to go ahead and increase it to 50 grand to to maybe make the taste uh. correct? Yeah, again, your problem is going to be your credit. Um, okay. Uh, you, you can try. You can try going to a straight mortgage company okay. and see if you can do a cash-out refinance for that 50000 right. But I'm afraid you're going to run into the same issues. Ryder, what do you think? So there were there's a, a couple of things to consider here. And I, I kind of wonder if they're suggesting this commercial loan because of your low credit. Maybe it's just there's some aspects that they can they can do with their underwriting. One thing to look at instead of a cash out refinance because the amount is so low and, and the fees on that would really eat up a, a, a lot of what you're doing is see if the bank will do a HELOC, a home equity line of credit. Bank, these are very unique to the bank. You may, you know, one bank may offer you to just pay nothing and but while you can take out as much as you like but it's just all due in five or ten years one may make you have to pay interest payments or some fee to maintain it but that's going to be a little more unique to the bank and so you can shop around for these and if you got a HELOC that was able to pay off and consolidate that debt and taxes and you made reliable payments for at least a year that may help to build your credit a little bit uh, otherwise maybe just working working on building that credit with the debt that you have right now that may help a little bit and brother Daniel, yeah, we, you have an advantage yeah. because you you have this piece of property. So this loan is going to be a secured loan versus an unsecured yes. loan. So if you don't yes. make the payments, then they can put a lien on the house. They can take, um, you know, once you sell the house, they can take a portion of that. Um, so they have reason to give you a better rate, even with your credit situation. So maybe they would go that route. 600. That's what we got. And we've been on time with yeah. the car. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to yeah. do that. I will do that. Yeah. I love y'all. Well, work I on, tell work you. on getting Thank that you for educating us. Absolutely. Well, good luck with that. And, and, and do remember to, to shop around and, and, and you know, find someone who you can work closely with who's going to be able to give you the sort of guidance and, and, and understanding that you need with this sort of loan. All right. Thank you, y'all. God bless. Thanks for the call, Brother Daniel. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you have a personal finance question, you can always send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Ryder, what advice would you give to people who are starting to put more and more everyday living expenses on their credit cards? Yeah, so that's really tough. And again, when we talk about credit cards being a tool that you can bring that future earnings in, if you don't really have much reason to expect a, uh, huge raises in the future, if you are putting living expenses on a credit card, that's a sign that you can't afford those living expenses. It's a sign that you can't afford that lifestyle. Now, that being said, we understand things happen. Living expensive has living expenses 
expenses have increased across the board for a lot of folks. And if you just haven't, if you had a tight budget before and you didn't get a get a raise uh, in your salary, a raise in your in your uh, income, then your expenses have gone up, and that may mean you're having to put some things on the credit card. The first thing is is just to look at that budget. What is extra? What can you cut out? Uh, you can also. Again, is credit cards as a tool, you may want to start thinking of moving to working to get a lower interest rate. So you can ask your current credit card lender for a lower interest rate because if you're having to put even just a few expenses on there every month, that interest rate will start consuming the bulk of your payment. And if you can get that lowered, then you can you can keep that down a lot easier. If you can't get one from your current lender, then try getting a different, a lower interest rate card. Uh, like we just discussed, the home equity loans or personal loans, a little less attractive now, especially if it's something you're going to have to kind of keep coming back to the well for. But if you if you have if you have a lot and you want to consolidate that kind of what like our caller, uh, brother Daniel just had, he ha- has some debts, he has some car loans, he. It it makes sense. It probably makes sense for him to consolidate. And even with rates having gone up a little bit, he'll probably be getting a much easier payment and a lower cost total by consolidating that into a home equity loan or some sort of personal loan. Again, if you've built up expenses in the past and you've got them under control now, then maybe switching to a balance transfer card. Don't switch to a balance transfer card if you're still going to be putting expenses on that card. You want to get things under control so that this is kind of the last thing you do uh, as far as managing that debt. So kind of keep those unusual expenses down. Think very carefully about those purchases and really do really do try to keep that living expenses that are not getting paid off keep that to an absolute minimum and i would say if you're considering the balance transfer to a, a low interest or no interest credit card uh, look at very carefully at how long that uh the the offer is yes. for mm-hmm. because yeah. if you don't pay off the balance by the time the offer ends you and many times are charged all of the interest that you would have accumulated during oh, yes. that period they they will they will come back for it absolutely uh, so develop a plan for paying that off say you have $1000 and you have 10 months <laughs> pay at least least $100 every month. You don't you don't want to miss a single thing. We were just talking in the break with Liz. She said uh, that having the money available was not always a problem, but sometimes she would forget to make a payment. Set that up on an auto draft. Make sure that money is available to pay. We're talking about credit cards. If you'd like to increase your income to match your expenses, we have some podcast suggestions for you. We'll have that information for you next. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. We're pleased you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We always like to remind you that every Tuesday at 10 a.m., immediately following our show, you can listen live to In Legal Terms right here on MPB Think Radio. If you reduced your expenses as much as you can and you'd like to increase your income, we suggest you listen to the podcast with the Mississippi Department of Employment Security from May 24th of 2022, or listen to the show about gig economy. That one was April 30th, 2019. We do have a caller on the line, so we say good morning to Eleanor in Biloxi. Good morning. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Good morning. I'm not sure if this is the type question, but... Uh what are the requirements for borrowing money to build a house if you own the property? Well, you're going to be, um, uh, when you go to your banker, they're going to give you a construction loan, first of all. And um, having your own property is going to help you, certainly if you own that land, but they're going to be looking at the overall cost of the project, and they're going to give you a certain percentage of that overall amount. And uh, so the, the value of the land may include part of what you would normally put down on as a down payment. But talk to your local banker. Again, you're talking construction loan. That you, Those usually last for six months. Sometimes they can renew those maybe for another three to six months until you get permanent financing at that point. All right. Thank you so much. Good All luck. Right. Thanks for the call, Eleanor. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Uh, Nancy, do we know how credit card companies go about figuring out how much interest to charge on various cards that they offer? <laughs> they make it up, right? I think they do make it up. And, yeah, and, uh, first of all, know that it's high. Right now, the average credit card rate is over 20%. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot of money if you're letting that balance ride. And if if your credit is not good, you know, we had somebody just said, I've got a score below 600, they're going to charge you more than that. I have seen 30% rates on cards. And um, so that's why it's so important to have a good credit score to it. Pay attention to paying uh, those, making those payments and keeping that score high so that you get the best um, rate possible on any kind of loan. But, um, you know, they will raise their rates as the Federal Reserve allows rates to go up. Certainly they will do that. Um, my hunch is they're not as quick to lower them when the Federal Reserve lowers their rates. I don't know that for sure. But, um, you know, they there's some out there that kind of border on predatory lending, I think. And uh, so that's why it's really important to be very careful. As Ryder said, they're great tools, but don't let it get away from you. 
I think one of the things, we, uh, maybe a, a kind of mistake to think is that credit cards are a floating rate, generally. It's generally some rate, maybe not the federal funds rate, but the prime rate plus some percentage. But when we're talking about the Federal Reserve raising rates by a quarter of a percent or, oh, goodness, a half a percent, that is so, so, so small compared to the 24% that your your credit card company might tack on. So, it's, so yes, maybe your interest rate would go up, but going up from 24 to 24.25, that's not really extreme. Just think of it as a high interest loan. It's The, the Federal Reserve raising or lowering rates is going to have a very minimal impact on the overall cost of interest to a credit card borrower. But and they're going to make their money. Absolutely will. Yeah. And then, uh, Nancy, just as a reminder, the Federal Reserve rate is the rate that the Federal Reserve charges banks to borrow money? No. It, no, 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 no. Sorry. No. Um, it is uh, the Federal Reserve uh, does not set the federal uh, funds rate. The federal funds rate is the rate that banks charge each other within the system for short-term loans. Now, the Federal Reserve can target that rate with their activities, and right now it's in a range of about one and a half to one and three-quarter percent, very low. Um, and so they will allow that rate to go a little bit higher, but that just relates to what banks are lending each other and the rates they're charging. All right, Ryder, just a minute or so left. What happens to the economy when more and more people put uh, purchases on credit cards? So you've got to think about what what does it mean if people are putting more and more purchases on credit cards? It means that they can't really afford, they can't sustain their current spending level. So if you're putting more and more of your regular expenses, it means you're spending too much, which means future spending is going to have to come down. Without a, a large increase in wages, your future spending may come down. That indicates that's a recession. That's lower demand, especially over a sustained a couple of quarters. That's, that's what that would look like. And if if a family is forced to spend less, that certainly that certainly feels tighter. That's harder for them, and that could just be because things have gotten more expensive. Like we said, uh, of course, if they default on that debt or they're unable to pay that debt, there are folks that not just the credit card companies and the banks who depend on those payments coming in. There are savers and investors who have maybe bought these repackaged. Uh, most individual investors are not they're they're not subject to this. They don't have things that are highly dependent on on a low delinquency rate. And and then lastly, kind of some longer term stuff. If broadly people default on credit cards, then there may be damage to credit scores, which just makes it harder to get loans in the future. And and loans are an important again, they're an important financial tool. They're an important way of how we afford houses, how we afford major expenses. And if people can't buy houses, cars, and other major items, then that's just slower recovery, slower growth in the economy. That will wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Tuesdays at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.